Hello, this is your host, Sunita Bagri. I am the founder of the Every Teacher Matters Project. Welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Each podcast has a core focus around the well-being of our teachers, school leaders and educational staff. The Teach Well Alliance works proudly in partnership with the Every Teacher Matters Network to raise awareness of well-being and mental health for our teachers and school staff. We're so pleased that you're able to join us on today's podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Graham Frost. He is our wonderful guest and today I'm going to just start by asking the listeners to think about the importance of role models. How can role models be good for our well-being? As teachers we are influencers continuously impacting upon our pupils. Do you surround yourself with the right people? Do your network lift you, support you and celebrate you? I've been fortunate to have good friends, but it really is only through personal development that I have truly understood the importance of my intimate circle of influence. You must have heard the saying, your network is your net worth. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking to Graham today. Here's some information about Graham before I introduce him. So Graham, his bio on social media is that he, um, a heart-shaped decision is one that is made based on feelings rather than thoughts. It can often take a long time. Graham goes on to explain that the first heart-shaped decision he made took him five years. So he asks the question, how would you feel if your whole life was planned for you? If there was no one in your life that you really wanted to be like, perhaps you are being pushed in a direction that you really don't want to go in and you feel there is no alternative apart from do the unthinkable. He hopes that that is not us, but he does go on to explain that it was him. And in 1973, he made a heart-shaped decision to leave his entire family and support network behind. He went off into the world alone to start a new life. He didn't know exactly what he wanted, but he knew that he wanted a life that his family and his, he he did not want the life that his family and the church had in store for him. So why should you make a heart-shaped decision? So I'm really excited to have Graham on to talk about this. Um, so that he can answer that question himself. So welcome to you, Graham. Welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for inviting me, Sinetta. It's great to, great to meet you. You too. So tell us, Graham, about this. What do you mean about, you know, heart-shaped decisions? And more interestingly, why did you choose to make a heart-shaped decision? I didn't really think of it as a heart-shaped decision until comparatively recently, but I realised, uh, I realised, yeah, I suppose fairly late in life, that most of the big decisions that I've made in my life haven't been, haven't gone on in my head. They've actually gone on in my heart because I'm, I, I where, where many people would probably say that the decision-making process is a thought that leads to a feeling, which leads to an action. Um, with me, it's always been 
the feeling that uh, you know, something either feels really right or something feels wrong. And for a long time, things felt wrong. And I wasn't quite sure what to do about it, but I knew I had to get away from the what was making me feel wrong and, to, and, and try and find something that felt better, um, if that makes sense. So that's, that was why I left home at the age of 17. Mm-hmm. So, so now, Graham, you... Um... You work, don't you? you? You, you're a speaker. You're a professional yes. speaker, and um, really, in your work with young people in sixth form and colleges and universities, you, you know, the reason that I talked about role model in the introduction was because it's so important for young people to have role models, but equally, it's important for teachers to have important role models in their life. So, tell us about some of the work that you're doing with with young people. Well, what I do, I mean, I go, I go into schools and uh, colleges, universities, children's homes, uh, even prisons, you know, and, you know, places where young people, particularly, you know, where young people are maybe struggling to understand themselves, because I know what that was like. Um, and I tell my story, which, you know, really briefly was about escaping from a um, really strict fundamentalist church and then going into the big wide world, a very naive 17 year old and uh, making some mistakes, which resulted in me being uh, in the criminal justice system at a young age. And in fact, being uh, in prison in a young, young offenders prison. And the conversation I had with somebody in there, which was interesting because that was you know, one of my first role models was probably the officer who had the conversation with me who said, um, come on, he said, you're not a criminal. What are you doing here? Um, you, you know, you've got to go and do something better with your life. And I, I listened to him and uh, went away. And, uh, you know, after that, you know, I, I, I got a job. Well, luckily, I had a job to go out to and uh, because somebody else had t- taken an interest in me. And um, then I uh, went off and uh, worked on the railway. And then very early in that career, you know, in my, in my early 20s, I developed uh, testicular cancer. So I had an, another obstacle to overcome, and um, which I obviously did because I'm still here to tell the tale many years later. Um, but yes, yeah, so that, yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. Mm, I'm sure, obviously, when you're speaking to audiences in, in, with young children, especially, you'd be, you know, really explaining the, um, the dilemma the, the soul searching and all of those things. I mean, you, you talked already about, you know, thinking with your heart. And so often our young people are, are, are you know, well, not just our young people, even as adults, we're not really taught to think with our hearts, which is ludicrous, isn't it? Because our, our instinct is always speaking to us. And we're silent. Well, it's, yes. It's ludicrous to me because I think, why would anybody just use their head? You know, because mm. for me, it's about feelings. But you know, we're, we're not all, you know, we're not all like that. Um, and mm. some people say to me, some people think my idea of heart-shaped decisions is a ridiculous one. But many people say, oh, actually, yeah, I can, yeah, I get, I get what you're talking about. It's about feelings, and you know, people, you get feelings about people, you get feelings about different activities so you know different activities make you feel good and some activities don't make you feel so good definitely yeah absolutely right absolutely so Graham what was your education experience like you know were there any teachers that stood out for you 
I've only been thinking about this very recently because one of the things that I've done during lockdown is um, for the first time, really, I've got back in touch with, I, I joined a Facebook group of the, of the first comprehensive school I went to in uh, 1967, it was a, a long time ago. And um, miraculously found somebody who remembered me when I was at junior school as well. And I haven't been oh, in wow. touch with anybody from that time in my life at all. <laughs> and uh, actually there's the a couple of teachers from primary school that I can remember very well. One was called Mrs. Shepherd, and um, she taught me to, to write properly. And she also, uh, I always used to get 10 out of 10 for spelling, and I used to get recognition for that even back then. And um, funnily enough, uh, at comprehensive school, in my first comprehensive school, uh, there was a, a teacher called Mrs. Armstrong, and she used to teach us Latin and French. So I actually used to do Latin in comprehensive schools in those days. Mm. And, um, only for two, only for the first two years, but um, we all had Latin and French names. I, I do, I, and funnily enough, I can still remember a bit of Latin, uh, but I didn't. I only only learnt French for two years, but I can still just about understand French and get by in a conversation in French mm. after all this time. So it just goes to show how much it stuck. It certainly has. It was very engaging, and um, yeah. but yes, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't encouraged by my family to get an education. So, I loved English, and um, you know, I used to enjoy sitting and writing an essay. But I never had parents who made me do my homework or anything like that because mm -hmm. it wasn't considered important in my family to get an education. So, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, I, I wish, in some ways, I wish. I had got a better education, but uh, because I think it's actually really important. Absolutely, yeah, I I, I can relate to that actually. I, I I had a similar experience growing up where my parents didn't, you know, they had other priorities, and um, yeah, I, I I understand. I think determination was uh, the reason that self determination was the reason that I managed to to pursue an education, but certainly wasn't um, forthcoming. So yeah, I can no. appreciate that. So in, in the past, Graham, you've contacted me and we've had some contact around, um, you know, how we can support teachers and school staff and, and leaders. Yes. And I know I know that a lot of your social media um, posts support, you know, very much the, the education sector. What, why is that? What's your connection? Like, what is it that you feel um, that you have? What are the the traits what is your passion around education because I definitely know that there that, that I can see that in your in your social media posts I think it's I think it's because uh, teachers actually get a very bad press and I know quite a few teachers you know obviously through my my work and I think to myself you know all the I mean I know so many teachers are really passionate about what they do and the, and the young people they teach love them and I'm thinking that doesn't come out you know that doesn't come out so I, I decided to do a a few podcast interviews of my own, um, you know, with inspiring educators recently. And uh, some of them are very experienced, some of the sort of assistant head teachers and one lady who's been a teacher in the same school for 27 years, one of the school I spoke at in Derbyshire just exactly a year ago. And um, up to, yeah, some newly qualified teachers. And they, the thing they all have in common is they're all really passionate about what they do and they feel it's almost like it's a heart-shaped decision to go into teaching. It's not, you know, you don't do it for the money. You do it for the, you do it because you want to make a difference and because you want young people to actually grow and develop. And I think that, you know, that's why 
I went into um, if some you know somebody said to me the reason I do what I do now, if somebody said to me quite a few years ago now, can you come and tell your story to a group of young people? And I said, well, what would they want to hear the story for? You know, I didn't. I, and I went and told my story to a group of about two hundred and fifty teenagers, and you know, went down, it went very well. And, um, you know, young people are difficult to engage with. A lot of people who work in my profession say, oh, you, know, you don't, don't want to go and talk to young people because they're very difficult to engage with. And I, I didn't find that. I found that I engaged with them quite well. And I enjoyed it. And I felt, you know, this is what I should be doing, maybe. And then afterwards, um, two young guys came up to me in the car park outside the, the venue about half an hour later. And said, oh, excuse me, were you the gentleman that just spoke to us? And I said, yes. And they said, well, can we just say that you inspired us? Wow. And I was like, wow, you know, that mm -hmm. is, that, that's special. <clears throat> excuse me, that, that's, why, that's why I do it. Yeah, yeah. That's lovely feedback, isn't it? To know that yes. you shared your story. Because personal stories is really how we, we get a connection with people. That's how we connect, isn't it? Through it is. listening, through listening to what your experience has been. I mean, certainly as you were talking, you know, uh, about your educational experience, you know, I drew upon my own. So, so important to share our stories because you don't know who you will inspire. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's lovely. And I, I do agree in that we, you know, teachers really do get bad press and just not enough acknowledgement and praise for the work that they do, which is something, you know, that I'm very passionate about um, raising the profile towards so when, when we spoke um, a while back now, a few months ago, regarding setting up a, a potential mindful walking group for, for school leaders, yeah. um, t tell me about your, your sort of rationale for that. Well, I, I think um, it's because walking is very important to me in terms of my well-being, in terms of my, you know, my state of mind. And um, especially during, you know, in the last year when we've, We've been in lockdown and we haven't been able to go out and do all the things we take for granted. Um, I, you know, I don't. I think the one thing that's kept me sane almost is my daily walk, and I think I've probably missed. I've missed about three or four days in the whole of the last year. You know, the weather's been absolutely terrible. I thought, oh, oh I won't bother to go out today. And every time I've regretted it. And you know, I have for many years now, since I was in my late twenties. Uh, somebody said to me, uh, an old friend of mine said to me um, when I was in my late 20s, I lived in London, <clears throat> he said to me, um, you fancy going, uh, coming down to Cornwall for a walking holiday? And I was like, well, I, I actually walked for a living then because I used to work on trains, up and down trains all day. And when I got, went on holiday, all I wanted to do was to relax and maybe <laughs> lie, lie on the beach and read a book or something. <laughs> I said, what, and, and I said, what, do I, what would I want to do that for? I'll walk all the time for a living. And he persuaded me to go. And, and we actually, over a period of the next sort of three or four years, we walked most of the Cornish coastal path. Mm. And it's beautiful. Mm. I, what, what a fantastic, completely different sort of walking, obviously. Yeah. And I got into it and I've been, I've been involved with walking groups one way or another for many, many years. And, um, you know, I like walking with people and having conversations. And, you know, I think it's a great, it's a great way of actually you know, getting out into the open air and having a conversation with people. And I also go walking on my own because I, I find that a lot of my best ideas come to me when I'm walking. Um, and I think, you know, I think everybody should do it, um, you know, for half an hour every day. 
Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I again, I go for a walk every morning, and the, I feel the difference when I don't. Oh, so do I. Yeah, totally. I, mean, I, I don't. It really is part of my part of my routine. If I go a day without a walk, it's like oh, that, that wasn't a proper day. It's so true, Graham. So true. Mm. I, I absolutely feel the same. Just the the energy level is different. My focus and concentration is different. Um, yeah, I'm climbing the walls actually when I don't go. I, I do. Yeah. I do. Literally, I'm well protected because it's like you. It's a very important part of my routine. So how do you how do you when we spoke? I, I know that you know we've talked briefly about the benefits, but why specifically for teachers? Why 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 did you want to kind of set this up for teachers? Well, I think it's because you know from the teachers that I know, they I mean they they have stress levels that sort of you know. Uh, I can't imagine what their stress levels must be because mm. especially with everything that's been going on with the last year where they've had to change direction almost you know turn on a sixpence in terms of what they've been expected to deliver Absolutely. and um, you know I think uh, there are so many different ways of releasing that tension but I think going out in the open air is probably one of the better ones one of the ones that's more healthy it's probably a bit more healthy than drinking half a bottle of wine every night or something like that you know and um and it just gives you a chance. I mean, I'm sort of looking out of my window now as I'm talking to you. And I've had I've been out for my walk today, and it's a lovely, it's a lovely sort of late afternoon and the sun's shining. And you think, why, you know, why wouldn't you want to be out there? Um, for you know, and, and with a small group of people having a conversation about, you know, what's going on in your life and, and your work and just sort of getting a few ideas from each other. Absolutely. I was listening to um, I was listening to a recent podcast and this is um, what, what the, the sort of lady that was sharing some well-being advice said that it didn't matter how busy she was. It didn't matter what she had going on. And she worked in a very, you know, a very, diff, you know, highly stressed organisation and wasn't it was in a built-up area so it's not like um she could go and walk in nature but she chose some streets specifically that had some trees and yeah. it doesn't matter what happened at a certain time of that lunchtime she would go out and just walk that route and try and be as close to the trees so the residential roads that had trees on them yeah she just tried to make her way um a little circuit and just obviously echoed what we we've both just shared in terms of the benefits of it so absolutely I mean you know I certainly didn't manage to go out for walks when I was working as a teacher it was you know if I'd have 15 minutes to stop and eat that was a good day yeah but that that's not you know that's not the advice that I would give anybody now I wish I had you know mm. this, this information available to me in those days um but what advice um Graham because what what I'd really like to capture is from because you know you've got such a wealth of experience you're a you're a man with knowledge and wisdom you're ex inspiring others when you go into schools with the work that you're doing so with all of those factors involved um tell tell the listeners what well-being advice you would give to teachers and school leaders to you know to navigate their way through these challenges and these stresses of their work that they have? Well, there's a few things. I think, you know, um, looking after yourself in terms of what you eat. Um, and I haven't, I certainly haven't always done that. Um, you know, I, I, I used to eat, I used to eat far too much sort of unhealthy food and um, 
and I still do have, you know, I like nothing like a, a nice big plate of fish and chips, but it's not every Friday night. It's sort of once every couple of months. It's a real treat. And the rest, you know, I've actually, funnily enough, in the last um, few months, I've been experimenting with a mainly plant-based diet. And, um, you know, I, I feel, I never thought I would, I've never thought I would say that I would become a vegetarian or a vegan or anything like that. I thought people were perhaps a little bit crazy that were vegans, but funny enough, my partner's daughter's a vegan and she's one of the healthiest people I know. She's a young woman in her late twenties, you know, and um, I, I'm just, uh, yeah, I, I thought well, I'm gonna give this a try, you know, and um, drink plenty of water and um, actually don't, I don't have much caffeine uh, these days, you know, I'm stuck. And um, I hope I'm not starting to sound like a bit of a bore. No, it's all Graham. Look, um, I mean, um, the, the listeners yeah. won't the listeners won't see this, of course, because they'll <laughs> just hear the audio. But here, I've got my two liter water bottle. I mean, and everything you say there, absolutely, it's it's golden advice. Golden advice. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just you know, I mean, I'm not saying I never, not saying I never eat meat because I do, but not very often. And that's been for the last few months. And, uh, you know, the obvious, the exercise thing. So not only do I go for a walk every day, but um, my partner just recently gave me her, well, she lent me, I think, her uh, her cross trainer. So I, I tried to go on that for maybe 20 minutes every day. And, um, yeah, just sort of, I think, you know, somebody once said, you are what you eat. And, mm-hmm. and but, you know, I, I've not always been like this. You know, I sometimes, I used to do a job where, I sometimes didn't used to eat until lunchtime. I didn't. I didn't. Have, I have breakfast every day now. I, I have uh, have porridge and a banana for breakfast every day, and um, just think, you know, it's just things like that, and making making time to have have some good habits. You know, it's uh, have a good routine in the morning. So you know, even meditation. I mean, that's something once again that. I used to think people who meditated were perhaps a little bit crazy, but uh, I don't think that anymore because I tried it. And I know that if, you know if I, I, I mean, I'm just funnily enough made a resolution that I'm going to I'm going to get back into meditating every morning because mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of got out of the habit. But mm-hmm. I no, I notice it when I don't do it. Yeah, yeah. And um, okay. people say, "Oh, I haven't got time to do this." Well, you know, I mean, we have time to spend far too much time on social media, for example, possibly. Um, you know, what what are we actually spending our time doing? Yeah. And I think yeah, we need to be making the heart-shaped decision to look after ourselves um, and our own bodies. Because if we can't do that, you know, as teachers, we are looking after young people. And if, we, if we're going to look after young people properly, we need to start by looking after ourselves properly. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I think often, you know, there's you can't really argue with anything like meditation that has got so much evidence around it. You know, you can't mm. argue with that because there's, is documented clinical research to prove the benefits of meditation and you're right because people do say we don't have time but actually just five minutes surely surely we can spare five minutes you know that that's really the really absolutely key isn't it Mm. that's been really wonderful speaking to you graham and i'm sure that uh, the listeners will be interested in following you on social media and perhaps even some school leaders wanting to invite you in for um, inspirational talks and motivational talks with students. So how can listeners make contact with you? Can you tell us about that? 
Well, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there. I think that's where we came across each other. Okay. And um, I'm also, I've also got a website, uh, grahamfrost.com, and my email address is graham at grahamfrost.com. That's, that's the best way to contact me. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Graham, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for taking out time and sharing your wisdom and experience. I know that the listeners will gain much from this bite-sized podcast today and our candid conversation. Thank you, Graham. Thank you very much, Les. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's Every Teacher Matters conversation. It is our mission to be the voice of our amazing school staff. You can find out more by visiting everyteachermattersproject.com or contacting me directly at contact at Thanks for listening.